Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. In the middle of drafts preview season now, one of our favorite times of the year. Here to discuss the running back class today. Not necessarily a, a top need for the Ravens, but Jordan Coe, one of the good friends of the show, and at Ravens Sit Room on Twitter, uh, is here to join me. Jordan, how you doing, buddy? Good, Ken. Excited to talk draft. We're, we're at that next stage of the NFL season coming up here. The new year. The new year is upon us very, very soon. So that's exciting. Um, the running back position, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about our production meeting here. Not a sure thing. The Ravens draft a running back. It certainly was not a sure thing last year, but they happen to really like the value on J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, you know, I think this year's Ravens draft is really interesting. And I think we might have talked about this in our last podcast. There just aren't a lot of roster spots available on this Ravens team. And the re-signing of Anthony Levine tightens that up even more than what was already pretty tight, um, I thought. And Geno Stone as well. I think Stone is almost, that almost locks him in. um, Kind of, you know, there's no way he's getting cut, I think, at this point. Or the Ravens like him enough that they think they're going to carry him. And so 
Um, running back feels like that spot that's really tenuous for this team because, you, you know, with, you know, with Edwards and Dobbins, you've got a, a one and two man kind of go at it kind of thing where you've got to feel like the Ravens feel like they're comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I think they've made the point in the past that injuries can set you back, but the Ravens have been incredibly adept at finding the exact stylistic fit at running back from their practice squad. You know, they've they've rotated guys in. That's how, of course, Edwards got his chance. It's how Collins got his chance and and had his time with the Ravens. That was that was pretty darn good. So I, I'm I I don't fear that this team is going to fail to find the running back because it's really hard to fail at running back if you're even a reasonable stylistic fit and you get to play with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. You know, the only, my only contention with that would be kind of this idea that I think the Ravens thought going into last season, at least from what they thought they saw from Mark Ingram, that he was good enough for them at running back. And so, you know, not that I, I don't fault the Ravens at all for their decision to bring Ingram back prior to the season to decide that they didn't, they thought he was healthy enough or they thought he was prepared enough or still had enough first to be there at running back. But he clearly, from the very first snap he took, didn't have it last year. Um, and so, you know, if you're playing devil's advocate, because, you know, in my notes, I said the same thing. The Ravens, both from a, a practice squad signing as well as kind of like a veteran scrap heap signing, which I think you could argue Ingram from a value perspective, from what he was coming off of, in New Orleans was a great value um, for the salary cap percentage that the Ravens signed him for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've hit home runs. Justin Forsett, another example where it's like, oh, you know, An this is guy. a guy that's yep. done, right? And then he comes in and he rushes for over a thousand yards. So, you know, in, in, in one sense, the Ravens get all the benefit of the doubt in the world on this position. In the other, have they lost their touch when it comes to Mark Ingram? Uh, you know, that's, that's a question that they'll answer, I think, this upcoming year. I mean, if you look at the older players generally that the Ravens have signed, they have failed on some of those. They failed certainly at the wide receiver position um, repeatedly with older signings. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I really, I don't like going there generally speaking, but at the running back position, uh, you know, they've been moderately successful across the board at doing that. Even if you go back to the Willis McGahee trade, I think Willis McGahee certainly earned every dollar that he earned in Baltimore and, and, you know, became a hell of a, uh, touchdown stretch runner, even if that was most of what he did for some of the 08 and 09 season, uh, I think that was still pretty damn good. So uh, you know, th- I, my, my fear is not that the Ravens will fail to get a, or give the job to the wrong young running back. I think the surprises are much more likely to be good with that player than with a 29, 30 year old where they're much more likely to be in the wrong direction. Yeah. So, so Ken, do you, do you think there's like a specific, you know, and I'm thinking of like Leron McLean, do you think there's like a type that the Ravens need to draft that running back at this point, like, it, like in their stable and, and I, you know, Gable, Gabe will, my co-host of uh, the Ravens situation room uh, at Gabe Fergie, he'll tell you that I'm not a big justice Hill fan. I think he's a fantastic gunner um, to me personally. And th- this is the, the X factor to drafting a running back. I, I view him as a relative throwaway from the running back position. I, I think he's done not just kind of from the timeline of which he has been on the team and kind of the contract value and those pieces. I, I just don't find him to be that fantastic of a running back. He has a great runner to every couple games that he plays in a consistent level. But to me, that's not enough in the NFL. 
No, I mean, I would agree. He hasn't shown that durability. He hasn't shown what we'd hoped as a receiver. He hasn't really uh, made plays in space the way the Ravens would like him to. And, and a lot of his really good plays have surprisingly come as a power back, thinking back to Week 17, Pittsburgh in 2019, you know, what he showed there. It's not like there haven't been flashes, but being a gunner is not enough in the NFL. Um, uh, the Ravens do look for even their specialists they're on special teams, their core special teams player, to also make a contribution on one side of the bill, ball. I think Hill will have to prove he can carry a little bit more of the offensive workload, be used a little bit more as a gadget player uh, to make himself really a value uh, there. And, and you know, we talked about this as well. The, the clock is ticking on his declining four-year option, and we're, we're now entering year three. Uh, the Ravens only have him for two more cheap years. He was a draft pick, so it's two cheap years. Uh, but, it, but you know, it's he's not a, a sure thing to make the roster this year. And I think if things didn't work out or he got hurt or whatever, he'll be replaced and probably at that point cut. Um, uh, you know, he could go to IR. But, but the, the, anyway, there's, there's, he is not a safe player from being cut at some point this year. Yeah, and so, you know, I'm curious if you lean towards the open space, pass catching electric back as that third guy or, you know, and Edwards is fantastic between the tackles. He's fantastic at not getting tackled for a loss, but you know, he's not your prototypical, you know, uh, who's the guy in green Bay. Uh, with, uh, oh, I can't remember his name. I can only think of his size. Uh, <laughs> Um, not Aaron Jones, but the, the guy they drafted, I, I want to say it's green. Why can't his name is escaping? It's not Amon green, right? The guy they drafted, they drafted him in like the, the second round last year, maybe. Oh, hold on. I, we got to look this up. Yeah, in green Bay second round last year. I'll, I'll figure it out for you. Yeah. Keep, keep going. The point um, being on this player was short yardage kind of like in between and not even just like between the tackles, but like kind of like a gap power runner, like going to be, you know, AJ Dillon going to be that kind okay. of guy. Um, you know, Gus Edwards is not at least prototypically that guy. And I think that the Ravens, at least to me, when I was thinking about running back kind of can pick a direction if they really feel like they need to get a running back, right? Do they want that power like in between the like grinded out, which is what kind of LeRon McLean really was or what they thought he mm -hmm. was going to be when they drafted him? Or do they need the guy they think Justice Hill was, which is that home run hitter, like in space, catch the ball, maybe not scat back, but, but you know, that guy that can hit a home run when they need him to kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think if they, if they want to build a screen game, they probably want another guy who can catch the pass. I think, you know, they, they probably would love to have a guy who could make some blocks on third down, be in, be a receiving threat as well. Uh, I don't think they have to do any one thing though. I think they can have stylistic fits of various types and the Roman offense is so layered in terms of every week you see something different that he may well have things prepared for backs that aren't on the roster. So his playbook includes stuff that they can use with the back who is not there currently. And that's kind of an advantage that you have someone like us Edwards, for example, in 2019, 2018, sitting on the practice squad. And then all of a sudden you bring him up and they're like, wait a minute, they've got this kind of a power game. You know, it's, it's, it's exciting from that perspective. So I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to it. And I, I think, you know, if the Ravens draft a running back, I'll be like I was last year with JK Dobbins and saying, you know, I don't know enough about this guy outside Ohio state where his conditions were extremely favorable for running the football, but I trust the Ravens judgment on this. And that's, that's something that I think uh, if, if a back gets selected high by the Ravens, meaning 
third round or earlier, uh, I think you really trust their judgment. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's hard to disagree with that. Well, let's, let's go, let's go down to this. The meat and potatoes of the show is really talking about who's out there for that. The Ravens could draft. Um, I'm not going to try and go into the deep rounds. So I think I, the, the idea is that we'll, we'll give a top 10 and we'll go in order where you give your number one. Then I give my number one. If it's different, uh, we'll talk about the players each other brings up. And then if you want to talk about some other players who you think might fit, that's fine. But I, I trust the Ravens to come up with that stylistic fit. Um, if it's at the end of the draft or UDFA, more likely um, th- that they find that player. So let's uh, no further ado. You go out for your, with your number one guy. Yeah, I, I'm going to be real creative here and go with Etienne from Clemson. Yeah. You know, I, I think if the Ravens really decide that they want to take their passing game to the next level from the running back position, he's the guy. Um, and if he's, look, let's say the Ravens are in the first round. They don't like who, who's there. Etienne hasn't been drafted. They trade back. Let's say they trade back again. So they're in like that 40 to 50 ish range where they were with Dobbins again. And he's still sitting there on the board. You know, he's not a pick that I'm going to be upset with because, and it's not just about the screen game. You know, you mentioned the screen game and that probably is one of my biggest pet peeves of this Ravens team. I feel like this Ravens team really should be a lot better at the screen. Like if you're really good at pulling, if you can pull in both directions on any given play, you can screen on any given play. And yet the Ravens choose not to kind of build that into how they approach the game. Um, Mm -hmm. And and it's mind boggling to me because Roman was fantastic at it in San Francisco. So, you know, it's, it's a layer to the game that he understands or at a minimum should be able to coach up. Etienne seems like the guy to me that could really take that game to the next level, both from using the running back as that slot receiving guy, but, but in particular being a really effective kind of like screen pass catching guy. And, and we saw Dobbins be a little less than as effective as I thought he would be catching the ball, especially late in the season last year. Yeah, I mean, we did really see more out of Edwards in terms of those yards per target numbers. I think he was over nine last year, which is terrific for anybody, but a running back in in particular. And uh, one of the things about the Ravens offense that I'm not, maybe a reason why they don't screen as much is screens are often early down plays, first or second down, where you are taking a chance of getting off schedule with a uh, high variance play. So you can get minus five on a screen. It happens a fair amount. You can also get plus 20 on a screen. But if you get minus five, you're, you're second and 15 and you're off schedule. And that's not when the Ravens do, do, do best. So if your offense is so hyper efficient that they can, you know, knock the, knock the other team in the throat basically on every down, there's not a lot of reason to take chances with screen unless you're getting some real explosive, explosive big plays from it. So I, 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 maybe I kind of get it or maybe I don't. Maybe there's another reason why they th- don't think they have the interior offensive line personnel that can get out in space and they're too lungy or whatever it might be. But I do think from a, from a uh, down and distance potential off schedule, they, they, they uh, maybe have some reservations about going heavily into the screen game for that reason. Yeah. My only quibble would be, and, and this is from my, my former days, I used to play a lot of Madden. I don't, I, I've grown up. I don't have time to anymore, <laughs> but, but the best time to screen is third and long third and distances where they're pinning their ears back. Like times when you're expecting the blitz, where teams are going to be aggressive on those pass situations. And I feel like in a lot of cases, those were the moments that Lamar Jackson struggled. And if, if there's a quarterback that would be phenomenal at eluding the rush to the last possible second and then dumping the ball off to their running back in an optimal situation, and, and much in the way that Kaepernick did it in San Francisco when Roman was there, 
Lamar Jackson seems like that guy to me. So, you know, and again, it doesn't have to be 50 times a game. It just has to be three, two times a game. Respect the space. Exactly. So, you know. Yeah, it's that's a that's a very valid point. And one of the things the Ravens have shown on third down is a desire to um, force the defense to make decisions. And if they do rush four, they'll often get off kilter in terms of of get out of their lanes. And then that's when Lamar has some of his biggest plays. And if they if they rush five, well, you're taking a chance because if Jackson escapes the pocket, then you really got trouble. And that's what happened on the fourth and five play, by the way, at Cleveland is they rushed six. The Ravens blocked them with five. Lamar got out of the pocket and all of a sudden Hollywood's wide open downfield and, uh, you know, there was no catching him. So anyway, Travis, and also my number one in a, in a long thing. I, if I have a complaint about Eddie Ennis Treadwear, 788 college touches, uh, didn't have a really high carries per game, very regulated workload throughout his college career. And the 7.2 yards per carry and the 9.6 yards per target are absurd numbers. Uh, nothing to complain about in terms of the 40. He's right there at the top of the running back class at 441. Uh, I don't know who's higher than that. There might be somebody who's in the 438, 439 range, but Eddie is basically right there. Um, you've heard the, the knock on him is that he doesn't really like to stick his head in the pile. And it's really kind of um, antithetical. I, I don't know if that's the correct word here, but it's it's the opposite of what I would expect because he's a great yards after contact runner, at least at the college level. Yeah, you know what I saw from him in, in some of the tape that I watch is not so much. Uh, there, there, I feel like there are kind of two types of, there's the Derrick Henry type of contact and kind of like mm-hmm. being elusive. And then there's more of the, I'm trying to think of like a better, uh, a different analogy of, but, but the kind of guy that's going to like, like Arian Foster that like moving laterally or using both the North South, but also equally East West motion is going to be equally as elusive to, to contact. And, and so, you know, some of these stats that you see about kind of broken contact stats, uh, I think are, are underrated. Like, like some of them are the guy has you lined up, keyed up and he's going to square up and tackle you. And then you just mm-hmm. bowl through him or bowl over him or you kind of like sidestep him and he catches you on the ankle, but he never really had a shot. Um, and so to me, Etienne's the guy in the latter category and guys like the guy, who, guy. Right. The, the guy who will talk Brown. about next most likely is, is more like the, the latter or the former category where they, they're kind of running through it in power and like, like you're just not going to bring this guy down unless you really do everything you can to bring him down. All right. Completely agree on that. But go ahead. Go to your next guy since I had Eddie Ennis number one, too. Yeah, I, I've got Najee Harris as as my number two. And I, I mean, I would love to see this guy in Baltimore, to be honest. Like, like if it were a situation where the Ravens had like multiple trade backs and like really kind of like stashed some like mid, like like a mid or two extra second or like an early third or two or some combination of that or the like Orlando Brown gets traded, but they like solve the, the tackle position in some other way. And they decide this is the guy they want to bring in. Um, you know, the way the Ravens ran pony last year, the concept of like a, a Dobbins and Nashi Harris concept in the same offense yep. is I, they, they didn't do pony enough with Edwards and Dobbins for my liking. So put a guy like Harris in there with the talent that he has, what six, two, uh, like, yeah, two, two thirty. like, Oh, Oh, I'm excited. 
All right. So I, 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 it's not that I don't like Harris. He's my number three guy. I do like him. I, you know, I, I want people to look at Harris and realize just how tough it is to find a guy like Gus Edwards, because Gus Edwards is really a better athlete than Najee Harris, and he's bigger. And, it, you know, it really makes you think. Najee Harris, ton of tread wear at, at Alabama, 718 college touches. I don't think Edwards has that as a pro yet. I'd have to go back to his Rutgers day to really see just how many total carries he had there. Well, I'm sure it was substantial. Uh, absurd touchdown totals for Najee Harris. I believe he's had 50 touchdowns the last two years, right? So we've, but we've seen those numbers not work out with Kenneth Dixon and with Keenan Reynolds. You know, in terms of guys who were who had big touchdown totals, oh. <laughs> uh, did did not run the forty on pro day. So don't know if it was a minor injury. Don't know why he thought it wasn't important. Don't know if maybe he doesn't want to show that he's four sixty two. So you know, you you really wonder what the issue may be. But I think Edwards is honestly a better athlete, and a better back than Harris. So I would not. I would rather the Ravens take the chance on a second contract, which is not going to be unbelievable money with Edwards. Hopefully it'd be something like three years, 11 million, something like that. But I'd rather see them take a chance on that with Edwards, which I normally would say no way in hell, as opposed to using a second round draft pick, let's say to get Najee Harris. I just, I think it's the better choice is to not expend the draft capital in a year in particular where they need the draft capital for something else. I think ultimately he's not going to be there for the Ravens. I could see a team like Pittsburgh taking him in the first that, that he, he, oh, that really? he ends up, yeah, that he ends up being off the board well before the second. Um, ultimately, before, just because, you're saying before 27, he'd be off the board. Potentially. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm not going to be completely stunned if that happens. I think he's that more prototypical, what you expect to see kind of front running from running backs. He, he's a little taller than Edwards. So if you assume that he can put more, bulk onto his frame once he gets into the pros that then he's more like six to 245 in the pros i mean derrick henry was a bigger back and obviously a bigger back now than he was in college so if he can be one of those kind of guys there's there's extra value in that potentially um i i think that he'll be a little bit more of the darling of of kind of like the running back targets where you know we, we we've seen we've seen kind of pass catching running back fall in priority just and I don't know why why that is from kind of like an NFL front office priority or or even if that's true that's just my sense of it um, that that I think Harris is going to probably get him a little more love than we think which is probably also why I have him ranked number two. Okay, but the the Ravens we we would both agree I think that somebody else is going to like Harris more than the Ravens do, and he probably doesn't end up here. And I would yeah. uh, I think that's right. Okay, I had a different number two than you because I like Michael Carter of UNC, which I think a lot of people do like him. Don't know how high he'll go. Uh, smaller back at five nine two hundred, so you have that quality receiver. So you get some of what you want in terms of a third down back, assuming he can handle some of that uh, blocking load. Uh, he really has to be able to do it there. If he can't, he won't make it in the NFL. Uh, college production is ridiculous at 7.9 yards per carry, 8.9 yards per target. That was in 2020. Uh, 596 touches at, at UNC. That is a good amount, but not so much that I'm really scared of his tread wear issues right now. There's there are guys with a lot more total college carries than him. Yeah, I don't know that um I like Michael Carter as the best back from Carolina alone. Um, there you go. <laughs> so that one's a little more controversial, but um, you know, obviously the profile is there. 
Um, you know, I, I like a bigger back. So I think that might be why I don't, you know, have as much of affinity for Carter. Um, but I think he could be electric in this offense too. All right. So let's go to your number three guy. Okay. And not the Carolina guy I mentioned, but I, I really like Kenny Gainwell and what I saw on tape of him. But, you know, there you're really rolling the dice to start with from Memphis um, because you've got a guy who didn't play last season. Um, and, you know, I, I think we should set aside a, a half second here or maybe a little more than a half second, but a moment to talk about how this draft I think is going to be really fascinating when it comes to guys that did not play. Um, in this last college season mm -hmm. and how teams are going to evaluate them. I think we already have kind of seen it a little with Kene Sewell, you know, from Oregon, the talk of what was supposed to be the number two pick in the draft. Like, like, like even though everyone knew a lot of these quarterbacks that were in the draft were supposed to be what they were, he was that kind of, oh, he's going to be your left tackle kind of guy. And he didn't play for the year. And, and now there's conversations that he could fall outside of the top 10. Um, and I don't think it'll be much beyond that. It, it won't happen. He'd probably uh, be the number five or six pick, but he's, I don't he's not going to drop past that. I don't think since he's going to take him at five because they're crazy and they don't care about Joe Burrow's health. They've already proven that. Um, and they're going to take a, a wide receiver. They're going to take the other wide receiver that's left, I think, in that spot at five. And then, and then you've got a couple of teams behind that. They're going to maybe take another quarterback. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's just one of those bizarre situations where the premier tackle in the draft usually doesn't slide. They're usually kind of in that top three to five range and they go in that top three to five range. And, and someone could trade for the spot too, if they really, right. if they really felt that I, 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 you're a venture capitalist. How much capital <laughs> would you like to venture on your position? <laughs> so so Gainwell falls in that I, category I, where, Oh, sorry. Yeah. They, like much skinnier, smaller, 5'11", under 200, much more your electric get back, certainly going to need to be part of the passing game, fits into that mold of the lightning of the thunder and lightning question if you're going to talk about who the Ravens are going to take. I, I like him in that sense if, if the value is there for the Ravens. Okay, so when when I watched Gainwell and and I didn't see a lot, but I did try and watch uh, his highlight film and then one of the other Memphis games. But the, the the point about him that is really cool in space is his ability to read out opponent leverage, and he will sit there and wait for the other guy to be wrong, transfer his leverage in a way that doesn't commit him, wait for the other guy to make a mistake, and then pop right by him. Just unbelievably elusive in the open field. This is an offense which will scheme him into level two and level three pretty easily. So I like him a lot, but he's got to come a little later. It's he's got to be his size rates him down. I, in fact, is a little little bit bummed that I think it reduces the Ravens' chance to get Gainwell. The fact that he ran four forty two because a lot of teams are really enamored with speed, while the Ravens would understand the speed's important. But Lamar Jackson probably has four forty five speed. The four thirty four, I never believe, bunch of crap. But but he has he always runs in third gear. And even in level two, level three, he's just making somebody miss. So it's that's the same kind of runner I see with Gainwell in the open field is a, is a very exciting guy who could cause a lot of that difficulty. And, and I liked him over 10 yards per target as a receiver this last year. Very exciting third down option as well. Kind of reminded me, and though he doesn't have the same kind of top end speed, at least, you know, at least before coming into this last season. And again, these are the X factors, right? Like you've got a senior coming into their last year, like how much faster are they going to get? How much are they going to be able to do with their 40 time? But he, he kind of gives me that Chris Johnson feel um, mm -hmm. in, in that open field sense where 
Chris Johnson could just, like you were saying, just make a guy that seemed like they ha- might be on track for it look completely lost in a split second. And, and game long kind of gives me that feel. Right. Uh, Johnson had significantly more speed than any, any back in this class, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, he's, he's, that's a, that's a fair comparison there. All right. So anyway, I had Gainwell at number four, my number three guy, uh, sorry, my number three guy was Najee Harris. So was this your number four guy you were just naming? Yes, it was. Okay. Then Javante Williams of, of North Carolina, the second North Carolina back is my number four guy. Uh, like him a lot. He's a thicker guy at 5'10", 220, uh, really kind of a prototypical running back size. If you want that bowling ball or that, that not exactly a bowling ball, but the nice thick short build uh, that a lot of backs give you uh, the four fifty five forty is really going to hurt his stock. That may actually help the Ravens have a chance to get him, which would be kind of a uh, kind of uh, interesting. Uh, He's a stylistic fit potentially for the Ravens who might not cost as much. We'll see how far he drops uh, in this draft because of it. But I think if he drafts into, if he drops into day three, he becomes a, a potential option for the Ravens. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is, they, he is probably the guy I was thinking of the most when asking that thunder versus lightning question. Cause I think, you know, Najee Harris is a much more diverse game. I think it, you would say, um, whereas in this case, you're talking about a guy that is very much that prototypical, shorter, stockier power between the tackles or between the guards kind of guy. Um, and I, I like him as a fit for this offense. And it's not that, you know, I don't know. I, I am, and, and Gabe will also tell you that this is that I, I am probably the world's biggest Gus Edwards fan. I think that he is highly criminally underrated by both Ravens fans and the Ravens as a team that he should get more touches and that, that he could do more with those touches if they gave him the opportunity to do it and the Ravens continue not to do it. So for me, this is, this is a running back, you know, in Williams that I really like, but I think that it strikes me as one that I, I almost don't want to see the Ravens take him, even if the value is there, because I'd much rather see Edwards get that opportunity because we've just seen him do it time and time again. We've seen him break tackles and get out of situations that are mind boggling. We saw him go, what? almost 60 carries in his rookie year without taking a loss on a run. And so even though he's not that like short stout, you know, and he is Edwards is bigger than you think he is. He's what almost 240 now, I think. Yeah. 238. Um, yeah. Almost 240 now, six one. He can be that between the tackle guy and he does it. His only fault is that he does it looking more athletically than, than some of these other guys might in terms of what their weight looks like. Um, and so I, I like Williams a lot, actually. And I think like ultimately in the long run of the NFL, um, I think he might have the better overall career. Um, but he's a guy that I think there's value, but I, I would much rather see the Ravens give Gus Edwards every single one of those touches. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair enough. I mean, they, they are a little bit different stylistically. Uh, he definitely sticks his head into the uh, opposing defender more and then tries to either spin away from him or keeps his feet moving with the short, choppy strides we used to see from Jamal Lewis. I love yes. that hard running style. Uh, you know, it, the, the Ravens can really make use of that with their stay on schedule offense. Uh, and, and it drives the other team nuts when you have a player who isn't fumbling, who's consistently getting an extra yard and a half per carry because they're just tougher than your defense. 
I, I just uh, anyway, I like that about him. I, I I wouldn't have a problem with the overlapping style with um, uh, Gus Edwards at all. I just think it, it it gives the Ravens another backup option for one, but also that they can scheme for both players. Wouldn't necessarily have him in the backfield at the same time, but they can scheme for both players. I also, you know, I think it's an interesting question in this instance of whether or not the Ravens are going to take a guy like. Uh, take a guy like Williams because he can't like he's almost a non-starter when it comes to special teams. Um, and I think the Ravens value that spot right now mm-hmm. um, in Hill, you know, even if Hill is not going to give you as much value from, you know, maybe four or five or so running back touches in a game, he's certainly not going to provide you any special teams value. And so maybe, you know, maybe that devalues him enough that the Ravens aren't going to have a shot at him. I, I mean, I think the only reason that they've said no more special teams for Gus is that he he's too valuable on offense. And that's typical with running backs. So if you think back to 2018 in Lamar's very first start, the Ravens got down 21-13. And, you know, the real question, can the Ravens come back from an eight-point deficit? Well, Gus Edwards ran for the touchdown. Then he ran for the two-point conversion to tie the game. Then he got out there to cover the kickoff. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Whether you're buying a new car or used one, it's a big investment, which is why you should choose Pennzoil Platinum. It helps extend the life of your engine and protect it up to 15 years or 500,000 miles, whichever comes first, guaranteed. That's because Pennzoil's base oil is made from natural gas and 99.5% free from engine clogging impurities. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Enrollment required? Keep your receipts. Other conditions apply? See Pennzoil.com warranty for full details. Find it at Firestone Complete Auto Care. So they were using him in that way. It was a matter of of the, the the rules have changed now. He's due valuable for the offense, and so they sit him down. They wouldn't use J.K. Dobbins to to cover kicks either in this in the same way. Uh, you know, your your bell cows. You have to keep them safe for for when they're really needed. Not not take chances. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, you're. I, I filled in with nine number four guy. Your number five guy is who? Because Gainwell was my number five. My number five guy is a little bit more of a, a diverse kind of can do everything kind of thing. And that's Stevenson from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, more, more a little bit leaning towards the fullback build, leaning towards like better as a pass blocker. Um, he got a lot of attention at the senior bowl. Um, and so he, so, so from, I built my list a little bit more like where I think the Ravens might invest in draft capital based on kind of what I think about them. And the Ravens love their senior bowl guys. They love guys mm-hmm. that can perform there. And they love running backs that can pass block in passing situations. Um, and those are, those are two things that kind of he was recognized for. But I also just think he, he just does a little bit of everything pretty well. Um, and right now, I'd say that the Ravens don't really have that kind of guy on their roster. I think they viewed Mark Ingram very much as that guy. They viewed him as a guy that could kick the screen pass, also be really good between the tackles, but also be smart and be a good pass blocker, especially last season. Um, and so this guy, you know, Stevenson seems like a guy that could fit into that mold. 
Okay. Oh, I mean, that's fair enough. Uh, he, 6.02.30 in some places. I saw him at 6.02.46 on College Ooh. Football Reference. Now, I, I didn't see that. What, when that measurement was taken, whether that's a, a fake thing or what he might have done. But my guess is whatever weighing we've seen, he's probably closer to 230 than 246. But that still puts him up there in the Gus Edwards range. And he, he says another similarity with Edwards is that he had 9.0 yards per target as a receiver, but has got only 33 targets the last two years. That sounds an awful lot like Gus Edwards in terms of not getting a lot of chances, but doing the most with those chances. I think, he, you know, if I watch him as a runner, I see some of that similar snaky cutting. I mean, he does not give up a lot of speed to take himself slightly to the shoulder of the opponent as opposed to hitting the middle of the chest of the opponent, which some guys his size love to do. But Gus Edwards has made a lot of yards after contact in the NFL by hitting the guy in the shoulder as opposed to uh, hitting the guy in the middle of the chest. So I've, I've really I've appreciated that about Gus. And I thought you're going to say the same thing about Stevenson. He's an older guy also, 23 years old. And so I'm not sure that matters if you're only signing him for one contract. But I had him at number six. I, I like him a lot. And, and in, in some ways, very similar uh, to, uh, to Williams as well as being a, a power back. Yeah, definitely. I like the Gus Edwards comp a lot for him. All right. So I've already given you my number six guy because that's Stevenson. Who's your, your number six guy? So my number six guy is Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. Um, you know, obviously shown some good chops as a receiver. Um, and I think that if the Ravens are, I think that's an area where the Ravens could really look to upgrade. I, Dobbins, I still think can be that guy. I think uh, th- there was a stretch there where JK Dobbins and Hollywood Brown between the two of them for stretches of three or four games looked uncharacteristic in their ability to catch the ball. I mean, Hollywood Brown, in conversations at the end of his rookie year, at no point were hands the question from, from Hollywood. I mean, he seemed to have that, that a, a few game stretch where it got into his head late in the season. I don't know if it was the rookie wall or, or what, or, or uh, Dobbins. It seemed to get away from him a little, a little bit in terms of catching the ball. Um, but I think that, that Hill brings that value in terms of being, being able to catch the ball, be a little bit diverse, but you know, obviously showing a little bit about that power and quickness at the same time. Yeah, so they'd have a J.K. Dobbins and a J. and a K. Hill. That would be kind of cool at the same time. But uh, I like Kylan Hill, too. He's my number eight guy, 5'10", 214. So it's not a size issue in terms of a guy who is still quite fast. Uh, 451, so we're not talking about the most absurd 40 time, but he certainly, that would be in the range of Gus Edwards. In fact, I think Gus Edwards might have been 451, 452 on two pro day um, timing. So we're talking about a similar kind of a level. Uh, He had 8.7 yards per target in 2020. So I'm seeing some of that receiving threat as well. I think he's another rotational back if he comes to the Ravens. I I, I think they, they could get him later. I'm not expecting a ton of running backs to go in this draft. Fifth round, maybe for Kylan Hill, might be reasonable uh, if we're talking about it. And uh, another team may like him more. We'll see. The four fifty one forty actually makes me believe the Ravens could end up being his uh, uh, his point. You know, it's it's funny because I can't imagine there's any running back out there that doesn't says, "Man, I'd love to play for the Baltimore running Ravens." The same way I think every wide receiver is out there thinking, "Boy, I hope the the Ravens don't draft me." <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah you know, it, it's an interesting. I mean, you're an injury away from having a major role in a major yeah. running offense. Uh, you know, they, they've got to at least at some level be interested in coming here, right? And 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 the Ravens have proven their willingness to put that stylistic fit in and use them immediately on a high carries per game basis when it's appropriate. I mean, they've 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 done it several times already with guys off the practice squad. So, anyway, very exciting. All right, so you're. Let's see. I gave you that was your number six guy. Uh, that was my number six guy. Yeah, I think it's you're up again with number seven because Hill was my number eight guy. Okay, so my next guy is a little interesting, um, and it's Felton from UCLA. Um, and I think, in the sense that the Ravens might be willing to take a shot on a guy who can also play some slot, um, you know, something catastrophic happens at the wide receiver position, or Duvernay needs to be able to play out more outside, or whatever that looks like. He's a guy that can kind of like swing around. He can do a little bit of everything. Um, he can both play inside and outside. Um, you, he played a lot of receiver, I think, in 2019 for UCLA. So he's shown his ability to, to kind of play at that level. And so that versatility seems like an area where, you know, it, it, it's surprising to me how little, from a versatility perspective, the Ravens actually bring from some of their offensive pieces. Mark Andrews being kind of the unique one who he can split out wide or split into the slot. He can be utilized in a lot of ways, but in a lot of senses, well, they don't use Hollywood in those kind of tight, or sorry, Boykin in those tight sets as kind of like the no, offset tight end. Yeah, they could they could use him as like kind of that offset tight end. They don't, so he doesn't bring any value in that sense. Hollywood is a guy that's like smaller. There's a lot of, I think that some of that might be more speculation and usage than ability. Um, but they don't use him that way. Prochet and Duvernay are both smaller guys, so they're only going to be able to do so much with them. Um, they don't really split Edwards out as a receiver. Dobbins, they were using more sometimes, but not often. Um, so Felton strikes me as a guy that's interesting in the sense that the Ravens could bring an X factor that's a little bit different to their offense that is ready to do both running back and wide receiver slot right away. You, you make a great point here because it's very interesting about the Ravens because 11 personnel, the most, the most common personnel, uh, personnel grouping across the NFL, and even the Ravens play it more than, than I, I believe any other personnel group, although I'd have to check and see if 21 is maybe more. But the, but the 11 personnel group means you have three wide receivers on the field or you're showing the opposing defensive coordinator three wide receivers in the huddle. The Ravens just have a, a team that plays it less than other teams and yet they still have a stable full of slot ponies that makes it very difficult for them to get the, them, those guys all their touches. And then you add to that a willingness to play some pony backfield, meaning two running backs, which basically commits you to having one of them out in the slot to start the play. It just it does not leave as many opportunities for the slot. And so people like. Boykin, who, you know, maybe you could use him in different places over the field. You know, if, if, if you lined him up in the slot, you could have a bigger receiver making a catch over the middle of the field, have him become part of the uh, play action package in a bigger way. I mean, there are reasons why Boykin would be better closer to the to the tackle. Um, there's also reasons why Hollywood Brown would be better close to the tackle, but he hasn't really shown to be the guy who can handle, handle the contact for that. So you really want him outside in space, whether that's over the top or, or cutting in front of that cornerback uh, uh, and making space for himself there. But it's, it's, I, I think it's very fascinating to me that the Ravens have gotten themselves into their position. I, I think they'll, they'll change some of that because they'll revert um, uh, Watkins 
to being an X receiver probably. And so we won't see him in the slot like we did in Kansas City. But it does really beg the question of are the Ravens ever going to be in a position where they can really make full use of a slot player? Lots of guys fill that bill in some way in the draft, but are they ever really going to be able to make good use of them? Yeah. You know, Roman has a lot of toys and a lot of ways and a lot of things he could go. And I think that this next year is going to be a really interesting one from that perspective to see how he diversifies and what he decides he wants to do next. Cause there are, there are a lot of options and in theory, we're not going to be held back by the pandemic and we're not going to be held back on kind of what they can do in training camp. That was the predominant, I don't want to call it excuse, but that was the predominant theme coming out of camp was that they just didn't have that time together. Um, so hopefully they'll have that time with Zeitler. Hopefully Brown returns. That, that's my personal preference there. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're bringing four guys back together that have three or four guys back together that have been on the offensive line together. You can build your system. You can diversify your playbook early. And, you know, maybe a guy like Felton fits right in with that. Okay, fair enough. My number seven guy, uh, I will then fill in with Trey Sermon of Ohio State. Uh, A guy I think that would come to the Ravens later in the draft. I'm not expecting a lot to be drafted earlier, but at 6.02.15, really that ideal running back size. Got those outrageous Dobbins-like numbers at Ohio State, and it kind of does tell you it's a lot about the system in terms of them having a mammoth uh, offensive line, a you know quarterback who generally does some things that are very positive for running back numbers. Um, very little receiving history in his career, and a four sixty one forty time would be the fear. But again, that's that's a reason why he might end up with the Ravens, and that that's a problem, by the way, uh, for both Sermon and the last guy I mentioned, Felton is that that 40 time is just substandard. They don't have that great long speed, which means they're not going to be running away from players in the secondary. Uh, a lot of the Ravens, you know, game is obviously to make yards after contact and, and hit the hit the guy first with, with contact in the middle of the field. They're, they'll be fine between the tackles. But, you know, if the Ravens do also need speed options besides that, it's a reason why I really don't want them to give up on Miles Boykin because he brings a lot of that and a lot of that danger to the to the passing game. Uh, I wish they could do more with him. I wish they could get him straightened out in terms of some of his uh, failures as a receiver. But I I, I, I kind of question like taking any running back who is extremely slow and, and Sermon might be too far down the list. But anyway, he's number eight on my list still. Uh, I'm sorry, number seven on my list. So it's, we're down to your number eight. Yeah. I'm and sorry, I also, say, first, say anything about Sermon. I, I, I'm right. I'm right there with you. I think that system says a lot. I don't think that his numbers looked as good as Dobbins and he didn't look as Dob- as good as Dobbins within the same system. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's certainly kind of that drop back. So we, we are down in that kind of fourth, fifth round range. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens at the running back position. I almost wonder, you know, how many of these guys would have better 40 times if they were actually prepping and running the 40 that they were at the combine that they were doing some of the things that are expected of that. I think that, that there are certainly players that plus up their combine speeds um, by training and prepping to run the combine, which tells you a lot, right? Like I want the guy that works so hard to knock Mm -hmm. 0.05, 0.1 off his total speed for the 40 time. That tells me this guy's going to do what it takes to be great, to, to be successful. So that, you know, it might not tell you something about his speed. Um, work ethic. 
but there are a whole bunch of guys that are at least recorded in the four, four to four five time. And I'm really curious to see, and this is, doesn't just belie Baltimore, but any team who's going to be able to be the team that can spot the difference between what that game speed is on tape and what the game speed is in terms of the 40 time and what they can convert. And is there value hidden in there for some of these guys that, that you know, guys, you know, at least I, I don't know about you, but for me, who doesn't watch enough of the college game to know that they're just faster players than kind of what we're hearing, or maybe these guys are all just really in that four, four, four or five range. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's a great point. And the Ravens having Lamar Jackson and watch him, you know, run in this lower gear for most of the time, have to realize the difference between guys who read leverage well and guys who, uh, you know, have that good long speed and really make the most use of it. And guys who, who are the Yakko guys, because there's, there's plenty of those out there too, who, who can give you that. All right. I already gave you my eight. Number eight guy was Kylan Hill. Did you, did you have a different number eight guy? Yeah, I, I like Javian Hawkins from Louisville, who is, not as he, I, I, and I, I name him here right after my little preface about guys I think that are faster than, than what we see in terms of their 40 time because I think he's one of those guys I think obviously a lot smaller um, and I think probably falls a little closer to Justice Hill in terms of kind of overall size and those parts I, I like him because he brings impressive speed obviously the Miami game in 2020 was a big part of kind of if you watch the highlights from that game that game in particular he looked fantastic you can't take any one player for what that is um but he's a guy that i think that could be really interesting as we get really far down the charts and you know we were already talking about fourth or fifth round but uh, mm -hmm. the ravens taking a shot on a guy that they think is going to be faster than what they're reading or what they're seeing when they see it on tape at least to me and i'm certainly not a pro when it comes to this he struck me as a guy that was faster on tape than the numbers that i read about him on his 40 time Hmm. Okay. He did not make my list. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you my number nine guy here is Chris Evans of Michigan. Now that's a, a player. A lot of people have higher in this draft. I just, I don't see it in, in his case. I mean, good 40 time at 447. So that's not the problem. He's prototypical run back size at 511 to 216. So it's not that he's 24 on October 5th. That's too old. To get started, I mean, running backs, they, he's had a fair amount of tread wear at Michigan, and this is not good. The other red flag is that his worst year was his last year at Michigan. And, you know, I look at that and I do, have, you know, we know that the three Michigan interior offensive linemen all got drafted and they were all big time draft prospects um, in Ruiz at center. Uh, Wainu, who went to New England, I'm still pissed off about that. And Bredesen, of course, who, who went to the Ravens, they all got drafted out of Michigan last year. So it's, it's not like we can reasonably expect that offensive line to rebuild, but big time programs can do that. They can get exactly the guy they want, have him waiting in the wings or get the great freshman at, at, at Michigan. That shouldn't be a problem. Uh, and Chris Evans just did not have a great season. So I'm you know, I'm looking for answers on that. I, I, I think, you know, he, maybe he falls late or maybe somebody else still loves him more uh, because of his aggregate college production, but he's a guy I'd stay away from given his age. Yeah. I, I, I was surprised to see for a team that was supposed to be better and a guy that was supposed to be better um, not to perform as well overall. And you have to wonder, the Ravens seem to love production regardless of kind of where it comes from. It seems like 
even for edge running backs, you know, we talked earlier about Dixon. We talked about um, Reynolds. I had to remember his name. His, good Lord, we never saw him. I don't th- even think we saw him take a pro snap, right? Um, for a guy that performed worse at this level in kind of like a key year when Michigan was supposed to be good, is uh, I, I, not a guy I see the Ravens taking. The only caveat being Jim Harbaugh and whispering in the ear of John Harbaugh, and he drifts late enough in the draft that it seems like it might be worth taking. Huh. I, I guess that's possible. It's, uh, the connection is certainly there. Uh, I got one more guy. I just, it was an interesting guy to me. If you want to hit on him, or do you have any more on your list that you want I have, to talk I have about? one more on my list. I like Roundtree from Missouri. Okay. Uh, good. Definitely a, a, a guy who I, who may, did not quite make the top 10 cut for him. I like Puka Williams a little bit more of Kansas, yeah. definitely a small guy. Uh, so, so he, I think if you bring him in, it may be him or Hill for one spot, or it may be you bring him in as an undrafted free agent, you put on the practice squad. If Hill gets hurt for any reason, Puka Williams is your replacement. And he's the guy. He's, he's going to be a later round guy, probably a, a, a five, maybe even a six. Um, 438 speed may mean he goes somewhere else first, and maybe somebody even thinks they'll make him a slot receiver. Yeah, I was between him and Javian Hawkins when I was kind of deciding who was going to be the small guy late on my list. <laughs> Puka Williams, four bench reps at 225. <laughs> this is zeroth percentile. So that was pretty funny. Who's That's going to beat him first? Yet, me or you? <laughs> we, we, we've, yeah, we've got, I'm, I'm not going to do even one bench rep at 225. I'll admit that in a heartbeat. Um, but uh, the, the, uh, uh, well, now you, you drop me off my track with that. All right, uh, sorry. But yeah, there's a lot of guys, in, and this is particularly true at offensive tackle, but it's true other places who have these uh, relative athletic scores of 10 this year. Uh, Spencer Brown uh, of Northern Iowa is a guy who, you know, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, but, he, but he still has arm length is actually a little shorter than that height would indicate. And he got a pretty good bench total still. And all his other things are like, holy mackerel, this looks like a wide receiver or a, or a tight end on this three cone and, and all the other things that he did. Uh, there's some amazing relative athletic scores. And some of it has me concerned that the... Ooh, the measurement of these things is not as levelized as it would be at the combine, not as consistently prepared. So I have that question uh, as one of the big ones coming up more on the offensive line play. So having talked about some of these guys, where would you put, in terms of percentage, the odds that the Ravens are actually going to take a running back in this upcoming draft? That they take one? One, yeah, one or more, one. right? With okay. a draft, like not undrafted. Okay. In fact, I'll, 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 I'll drop it down there. I think the chance of them taking two is 1%. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's not, it's not any higher than that. The chance of them taking zero. Maybe 59% and the chance of them taking one at 40%. Yeah. I'd probably, that? I'd probably go a little higher and say it's probably closer to 75% that they're not taking a running back. And I think you know, we, we talked a little bit about the crunch at, at, the, at the roster level, but the Ravens have a very meaningful crunch at the overall 53-man roster level. Oh, week. yeah, I agree with that. Very and deep there, team. There are not, unless there are, well, you're not going to see a dearth of injuries coming early. So it has to be a guy that the Ravens feel like they can protect if they take him. Um, so in that sense, Puka or Hawkins or some of these much more flyer type guys, I think have a much better shot at being 
that very last pick the Ravens take, especially if they think they can also play special teams. Um, and I think that's where the odds lie. Otherwise, there just has to be tremendous on the board value, especially for the value for the type of guys the Ravens need. I mean, the Ravens still need edge, right? They still like there are there are still some spots that the Ravens could use some depth at, and running back would really, I think, undermine their ability to take take some of those spots. I have to, you know, the guy who always knows is McFarland. And I always have to re-ask him this question. But one of the really big things that will decide about what's happening is how they handle that three-week injured reserve in 2021. I believe that might be part of the new CBA. If it is, it completely changes the rules on who you can keep around. So you have the ability to screw around more with bogus injuries, you just have to pay for it in terms of excess salary cap. And so they can have three extra players sitting out there on injured reserve and, uh, and have them come back. You got a lot of minor injuries anyway in the NFL. So you got some walking wounded. You got guys you know won't be back for three weeks. If, if you have that, that may give them the flexibility to do some of the things that would have in seasons past been handled by a season-ending IR after week one. Season-ending IR before week one, no, wrong. I'm wrong about this. Season-ending IR before week one in previous years meant you couldn't return for the whole season. You couldn't go on an IR DTR um, list, but you could be hidden. But season season-ending IR after week one, I believe. Well, I have to go back. I don't want to. I don't want to contradict myself. There is the way to protect a player, though. Now there, it's easier and it's harder, but it's easier via the three-week method now, if that still exists, which I believe it's part of the CBA. I think it all will come down to even with the three-week kind of IR situation. I think it, a lot of it's going to come down to whether or not in the first two or three rounds the Ravens take an interior offensive lineman. If they do. I don't see where the roster spot comes from unless the Ravens are cutting one of these guys that they've invested draft value in and like Breedson or Powers or others that are kind of in that fourth round or higher. And I mean, we saw the Ravens do it with Mac and we saw them do it with Kafusi. I mean, we saw them do it with Correa. So they're not afraid to do it if they think the guy is a bust. Um, but I tend well, to get the feeling they like those offensive linemen. In the case of Mac, Kafusi, and Correa, those guys hardly had played. And Correa, in order to play, had to play out of position, and he wasn't very good when he played there. So I, I, it wasn't surprising to me that they, 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 they actually didn't cut him. They traded him for something to, to Tennessee. So they got a little bit of value for him. I, 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 I was not upset by those moves, any of the three of them, when they, when they occurred. I think that it's, it's uh, um, more unlikely that happens to Powers because he played eight pretty solid games at right guard. You know, I, I, I it, when I looked at his play, I'm like, okay, he's clearly earned the starting job for who's on the roster here now. Now, if you go out and you get a a, a really chop traffic, okay, fine, you give his spot away. I, it, it, it'd be harder for Tyree Williams, uh, uh, sorry, Tyree Phillips, to come back and win his job at right guard. Uh, than it would be for Powers to hold it. So, uh, you know, obviously Zeitler is there now, and he's not. Go- he's he's the guy there. Uh, Powers may or may not have any chance to move over and play left guard if Bozeman is moved to center. Otherwise, he's a backup, and he'll be. I still think the first guy up if anybody's hurt. Yeah, but you don't. So, are you you saying you think there's a shot that? Phillips or Powers could get cut by the Ravens no. this year? Yeah, no, I, I think there's zero. Those two, right. yeah, exactly. 
So those those two specifically. Uh, McCary uh, probably is also safe, and that already puts the Ravens at eight offensive linemen right, right there. They'll carry nine, and they would like to have a tenth around. The guy who is probably not safe is TCC. Yeah, uh, he's he's got more of that declining option value left, but I think he's also shown lot less at the NFL level. He played two games. People tend to romanticize what he did in those two games more than I really saw on tape. Um, I'm also not a huge McCary fan, but McCary was was versatile, uh, and he gave the Ravens some time at right guard, which was decent, at center, which was generally decent, uh, and over the course of two years. And I think you you know you want him for that. Um, Plus he's he entering your th- time at tackle too. I mean that that those tackle snaps were even if they weren't good, they were valuable. Yeah, and, and they were pretty good, but it was a half, one half, and it right. was a, you know weird game in New England, a lot of rain, New England not having great edges, all of the things that goes along with that. Um, that was also the game where Will Holden showed up and and oh, had yeah, a half right. of, of great play. So I, I can't, I, I have a hard time really putting a lot of value on that and. Uh, do I have the game wrong? Maybe this was, did they both do it against Tennessee? They both had the same game, I think. I, I don't think it was. Uh, I, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say because I'm not sure. That's okay. I'll I'll look I'll look back and uh, and we'll talk about it another time. But uh, uh, always a pleasure do a show with you, Jordan. I think we we've covered a lot of ground here with the running backs, and and I think this is one that even though we think there's a good chance the Ravens don't draft for, it's an interesting thing to see kind of how they might size things up. And I think we'd both agree that if the Ravens do draft somebody, it's time to get excited about that guy because it's not a position of need. And when the Ravens draft away from need, it's for value, and you should get excited about that. Yeah, you know, the one last thing I'll add is that we talked a lot about trading back being the way that the Ravens are in position to take some of these running backs. And I think that when you look at the math of it, I would, I'm going to be surprised if the Ravens trade back for other picks into this year's draft um, because of that same roster crunch. So that, there's, roster not, crunch. Mm-hmm. there's not room for the Ravens to take 10 draft picks this upcoming year. Um, unless they plan to jettison some of them. And so if they do trade back, I think we're going to see it into other future years instead of this year, which even reduces further the chance the Ravens are going to take a running back, I think. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right about the crowded 53 all the way across the board, in particular the defensive line, incredibly crowded. We haven't talked about that. Cornerbacks crowded. Safety is ridiculously overcrowded. You mentioned that they really already have five guys, and they need another guy maybe who's not among those five, although I hope Stone is the guy who can be a third safety to play in the dime package, not as a dime back necessarily right. on the back end. They need that guy. And I think that's warrior right now. If they had to, if they were under the gun to take a, the next guy up that, you know, they, they, he was around long enough. They, he looked good enough at least preseason last year. I think he gets that first crack at that spot. Over stone. After stone. Okay. All right. Well, then, then they may they may have the guy on the roster. I I think Warrior will start the start the season on the practice squad again. Right. And we've we've heard some mixed reports about him in terms of his ability to look great on one play and then look like crap on the next because he just forgets his assignment kind of thing. So, anyway, I, I really appreciate doing the show with you, Jordan. Always a pleasure to have you, my friend. Tell people where they can find your work. Yeah, you guys can find me at Raven Sit Room on Twitter. Um, me and my co-host Gabe Fergie at Gabe Fergie. Um, run a, a podcast over there, Raven Situation Room, where we try and break down the Ravens games on, on kind of a play-based level. 
it's a, a, a great program. I really uh, encourage folks to go listen to that. And when Jordan comes over here, the average intelligence of both shows goes up. So it's really a great, uh, great place. I, I, I know, I'm just kidding you on that one, Jordan. But Gabe's a very smart guy, though. I really appreciate him, too. Hey, Gabe's a PhD scientist of the two of us. So uh... there you go. Yes, and, and you probably only have a PhD in economics or something. I'm not I, sure. I, what, I only wish. <laughs> well, thanks very much for joining us again. All right, Ken. Thanks we'll talk to you next on. time on Film Study. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.